But this is the story of Moses uh, when he first got called into ministry at 80 years old. Anybody here that's 80 years old? Mom, you're over 80. It's time to go to ministry, Mom, right now. <clears throat> but Moses here is about 80, and he's been living uh, uh, not like what he used to live 40 years prior. He was living in palace, but now he's living in as a shepherd. And he has been for 40 years, and the number 40 is significant in the Bible. The number 40 is the number of trials or tribulation. That's why you see that the children of Israel walked around the wilderness for 40 years. Okay, y'all better get your, uh, you know, I've been, I've been really, so y'all better go. Yeah. Just seatbelt yourself, because I'm just going to throw it at you. So that's why the number 40, and so in a sense that uh, Moses had three 40s in his life. He lived to be about 120, uh, but he, his first 40 was living uh, the trials of his life as a prince. Now, you would think, he goes, man, he was living in, in, in uh, he was rolling around in Rolls Royce chariots and, 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 and Bentley chariots and all that. What kind of trial is it? It's always a trial in our life when we have means in this world, especially if you have great means. When you have great means, you, uh, that's why Jesus says it's easier for a, a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to go to heaven is because when you when you are uh, uh, blinded by wealth and and by 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 physical uh, uh, comfort it's very easy to forget the things of God and so but yet Moses himself had something in him that was innate he had an innate ability to feel like he was a deliverer that's why he killed an Egyptian because he was trying to fulfill something that was given a calling of his life to deliver people that was uh, injustice that had came you know um, I'll just give her a plug, but uh, Audrey, uh, Nim's wife, Pastor Nim's wife, she has started this thing called Elijah Rising to fight against human sex trafficking or human trafficking. Today we have, uh, many say that we have more human slaves today than we ever had in the history of mankind. Think about that. It's a billion, and did you know that I-10 is the corridor for human trade here in the south of U.S., all the way from the east to the west coast? down to Mexico. And so um, here there is a innate in us as, and so Moses sees his life as three different areas. The, the, four, uh, the, the second part of his life is 80 years, he's 40 years, he goes into the wilderness in Media and he becomes a shepherd. This is a time of trial that he is persistent, he's faithful. Some of us need to learn to go through the trials of faithfulness. Oh man, y'all don't even hear me. And then uh, he's walking around in the wilderness, walking and having the trials of dealing with real people to remind them that no, if they can hold on and keep the commandments of God, that God is always a, a God of his word, that he is faithful to see the miraculous. We see the miraculous in Moses' life, in the last 40 years of his life. He sees everything that's so miraculous as he enters into ministry. A lot of people want to see miracles, but they never want to enter into the arena of ministry. Okay, I'm talking now. <laughs> Exodus 4, verse 1 to 2. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they would not believe me. He's responding to God that appeared to him in a burning bush. Or to listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And Moses said, A rod. A rod. Let's look at verse 15 and 16. Now you should speak to him and 
the words in his mouth. Now you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And he was talking about Aaron, the brother of Moses. And I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be to him. What? Wait, 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 what? As who? God. Wow. Now, this is a moment when Moses was kind of having a, 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 a dialogue with God and saying, Lord, I'm not capable. I'm a man of slow speech and slow tongue. I used to teach it that Moses was a stutterer, but then God says, no, he is like you because for 40 years, all he spoke was, was Egyptian. And now God's bringing him back to his people that spoke Hebrew. So he, spoke, he thought in Egyptian, but yet he needs to speak to the slaves, uh, uh, the language of Hebrew. And it's funny because everywhere I go now among the Vietnamese, I have to speak uh, with a translator. They have to translate me from English to, to Vietnamese, and I think in English first. And, and the Holy Spirit says, that's just like you. Aaron was his interpreter. Oh, Okay. And I thought, yeah, what does, a, what does an Egyptian prince for 40 years need to learn the language of a slave for? Hmm. They don't. The slaves need to learn the language of the king. We are the slave to, to Jesus. We need to learn the language of the king. Anyway, that's another. So, Lord, I want to speak to you on the subject is, uh, on this. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, for your word is life. Bless this word. Let it become rhema. Anoint our ears. We may hear our hearts. We may receive our mind. We can understand. Lord, let it be revelatory to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. And here, uh, Moses became a, uh, a normal person before he would walk around with kingly robes and silk slippers and had servants. But yet now he is serving uh, 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 his uh, father-in-law, which was Jethro. The Bible says that Jethro was a Midianite. A Midianite uh, was a believer in Jehovah. He was actually a priest. He married a young lady, uh, the, um, um, Jethro's daughter, named Zipporah. Um, and Zipporah and Moses had children, had sons. And so uh, Moses was thinking his life was good. He's 40 years, he's 80 years old. He's, he's got a shepherding business and he's, he's dealing with sheep. The one good thing is uh, with uh, being a shepherd at that moment is sheep doesn't really talk back to him. Right? He just brings them wherever and, and he just watches them. But uh, then God appears to him in a burning bush. And of all things, God gives him three specific signs uh, in Moses' life to prove that he, uh, he is God. He said, what if they don't believe? And then the first thing God says to the, the old man who's 80, he says, what's in your hand? He says, a rod. The second thing is, he said, put your hand in your bosom and pull it back out. And he pulls it out uh, and he says that his hand is like a leper, leprosy. You know, when I first, thought, uh, when I was younger, when I read another version, it says his hand became a leper. And I said, he had spots? No, not like a leper. You know, it was a disease, a skin disease. Anyway, that's how my mind works. But, and then he put it back in again into his bosom, and it became clear again. And then the third uh, sign that God gave Moses to do was he said, when you take water out of the river and you pour it on dry land, that water will turn into blood when it hits the dry land. Now, 
those two, the, the other three signs, the only one that stays with him for the rest of his days is this thing called the rod or the separate staff. In Psalms 23 in verse 4, it says, uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, it comforts me. There are often things in our life that God gives us. And, and here, the word staff in Hebrew is a word. I want to give you this definition. It's called, a word called metta. It represents staff, branch. But look, this is another meaning that really messed my mind up. It is another word for tribe. Tribe. T-R-I-B-E. It represents a certain type of people. It is a community of people. Well, we could say in the modern vernacular today that here in our church, a seat at the table, we're like a tribe. We, we, this is my tribe, you know. I hear young people whenever, who's my tribe? I'm with my tribe, you know. It's, it's a, you know, I'm with my people. I'm with my community. I'm, 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 I'm with uh, people that I'm rolling with that came with me and, and I deal with them. They're, they're the ones that has my back. And so this word represents, he said, Moses, what is in your hand? And he says, my tribe. Brothers and sisters today, that no matter who you are in life, that in you there are generations that have yet to come. I keep telling you that if it's in the acorn, that acorn, if you were to plant it, is not a tree. It's actually a forest of trees. In you is not a person, but actually there are generations of people that is going to come out of your loins that you have not even known. And that out of you will be life and that there are many talents and many blessings to come. And so when God told Moses, he said, what's in your hand? He said, it's my tribe. Because the, the shepherd would do this, that uh, when they had this uh, wooden stick, this wooden staff, that they would put markers on their staff to indicate great feats they have accomplished. It was actually a history book that is written on that staff. How many years? What years were the drought? Uh, uh, if there was a, a lion that they defeated, they would mark it on. It, when they would look at it, it, it would be uh, something that could uh, give to their children as uh, a representation of the legacy of their life. Many of you, and even myself, many people today, there are legacies in your life that God has written on your heart. You have scars from bad past battles. You have victories. You have, you have uh, 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 certain markers in your life that have caused you to become the person that you have become. But you are in good hands because God always puts the right people to deal with you. See, oftentimes that we, we wonder why uh, uh, that God asks. I, I said, Lord, why in the world would you ask Moses what's in his hand? It is because that staff becomes the comfort of his life. When he was tired, he could lean on it. So oftentimes we could lean on, as a minister, as a leader of this church, many of you became my staff that I can lean on. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Many times that uh, you have become the person that I can place my uh, pressure on, my, my weight on, and, and that you didn't break. Because the only time that a, uh, we know that a stick is good to be used by a, uh, a shepherd is when he can put his weight on it and it doesn't break. 
See, brothers and sisters, you only know that there are great things in your life that God has given you. Some of you pray in a specific way. You know, how I study might not be the way you study, but I know how to get into that place, that place of God, that secret place with God, that maybe your way is not my way, and I like that because even God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. And I noticed that the way I pray and the way I study and the way God gives me revelation, I have been able to lean on it and realize that has held me up in my faith. There are uh, things in your life that you need to know that these are markers in your life that God has given into your hand. Because of those things, it will give you the authority to move forward. You're in good hands. You're in good hands. Oftentimes we think that wherever we go, uh, 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 we, we don't know if, if it's God's plan. But I can tell you like this, that when you have given your life over to God, you are in good hands. That when you have given your talents over to God, then you're in good hands. When you've given your will over to God, then you're in good hands. When you've given your talents over to God, then you're in good hands. When you've given your children over to God, then they're in good hands. When you've given your marriage over into God, then your marriage is in You can look at your neighbor and say, you're in good hands. And see, oftentimes we, we have this, that people move from place to place, and, and uh, society makes things easier for us to move. Uh, technology has made uh, people to move easy. They can move from one church to another church within a matter of five minutes. Easy. Five seconds, somebody tells me. They can watch uh, this church and that church and this church and that church. But the problem with doing that is God wants us to be related and have an ability to touch someone. And see, I can't touch you over the website. I can try, but there is no feeling of that touching. I can project my voice. I can make media. I, we can do all these kinds of things. But God always wants us to be touching each other physically. That didn't sound right, but you know what I mean. Don't worry. I got a lawyer in the house. Just say, Lord, what do you mean? Did you know that God compares us to trees? Because in the book of Psalms chapter 1, it says this, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Did you know that every time you read in the Bible, God is always comparing us to trees? And that's why he had to die on a wooden cross, because that wooden cross represented depraved or, 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 or death of humanity. Uh, that means that when he died upon that cross, his blood bled down that wooden cross. It represents that something that had died, something that God has uh, uh, died, had uh, his blood would wash that, that wooden cross. And I always, it bothered me all the time. He said, Lord, you're always telling the disciples to be fishers of men and you don't even know how to fish. <laughs> you're a carpenter because carpenters know how to put wood together. Because carpenter knows how to put you and I together. They know how to bring your talent and connect with his talent and connect with his talent and connect with his talent and you connect. That's why together we can't be a Lone Ranger Christian. We have to be connected and I can't be connected to you if you're not touching me. 
can we build each other if we only want to be alone all the time? And I'm not saying that you can't watch certain things on the internet. Those are great. I've watched sermons on the internet. I love it. I love to hear. But I cannot be part of their tribe unless I am actually trying to touch them. Unless that I am in good hands. Unless God has brought me into that place. How else can we build? How else can we be a tribe? How else can we see the victories that's written on our life? How else can people hear your testimony? Moses, tell me about your testimony. Why do you have that stick? He goes, this represents my tribe. This represents me. It represents the battles I fought. It represents the victories I've won. It represents the enemy that I've beat down. It represented the times that I saved my sheep from uh, near death. It represented the time that when I was tired, my staff held me up. Some of you are like staff to me, that uh, you held me up when others would drop me. See, you have to understand that this is the very, you know this, that every miracle that Moses ever did in his life, he always had his rod in his hand. When they were at the Red Sea, the Lord says, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, it's my rod. He goes, then stretch it forth. And he stretched out his rod, and the rod in his hand became the very thing that caused that Red Sea to part. Wow. Wait a minute, why, why couldn't God just say, Moses, stand there and just speak to it and say, hey, Red Sea, part, we got to go over. Get out of my way, move. No, he said, stretch forth your rod in your hand and say to the Red Sea, move. That means every time that God wants to do something great, it always involves people. It always involves you. That's why every time greatness ever happens and miracles ever happen, I thought, Lord, why couldn't you just have said, okay, Moses, just speak to the Red Sea. He goes, no, get your rod out. Get your people out. Get you out. Where are you? God wants to use you to do great things. God is the one that used you to deliver people out of hard places. The enemy is behind them, and they are in a hard place, and the Red Sea is in front of them. God wants you to be the one. That's the instrument in his hand to bring people to deliverance. Stop saying it's not me. Stop saying I'm not the pastor, pastor. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Keep saying it. But God's word is going to be forever. So you could say, you could say, "I'm, I'm a slow of tongue and slow of speech. I am but a woman or I am but a child. What other excuses you have? He says, but if you have given your life over into God's hand, then you're in good hands. And see, the next time we see that he stretches out, uh, another time we see that Moses stretched out his rod is when they needed water in the middle of the wilderness. There was nothing to drink. And he said, get that rod out and hit the rock. And the minute he hit the rock, that rock brought out water, and it was able uh, to give people, millions of people, a million, maybe two million people, water to drink. Wow. That he, wait a minute, why couldn't he just lay hands on it? See, oftentimes, we think that God can do uh, things, but God always uses people to do great miracles. God always uses people to do great things. I'll give you a great example. You know what? God created everything in five days, and then the sixth day, he created man. 
He created cows, man, and everything. And then the Bible says that when he brought the cow to Adam, whatever Adam saw the animal, he gave it a name. And I thought, Lord, if you created everything, why in the world did you allow Adam to name the animals? You could have named the animals, say, Adam, that's a cow. Okay. That's a lion. No. He said, Adam, I've given you dominion and authority. It's going to be up to you now to do the things that you should do. Hello. See, we often say, God, please do it. And God says, no, I've given dominion and authority. You've got to do what you're supposed to do, and I can do what you can't do. And that's why I often think that this rod was always with this man, always with Moses. I say, God, of all the things, the leprosy went away and the water turning into blood went away, but that rod was always with him. Is the rod represents the people in your life that God has given into your sphere of influence. Who are you influenced that's changing the world? Who are you influenced that's changing their community? Who are you influenced that's changing the office environment? Who are you influencing that they are becoming the light in their place of work. We often say, Jesus says what? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Well, I wish pastor would go and talk to him. Well, pastor's busy. What about you? You're in good hands. You're in God's hand, but I don't know what to say. And just like Moses said, Lord, I don't know what to say. God, he goes, I'll put words in your mouth. He said, well, Lord, I, I wish you you do something. He goes, I did. I created you. <laughs> you see, oftentimes we want miracles to happen, but for all of us to have miracles happen in our life, we have to allow God to stretch us beyond our own reach. Right. Oh. We have to be able to allow God to stretch us. We have to be able to allow God to bring us to a place that we might not be comfortable. And we have to be comfortable to know that God, you, in, I put my life in you. I'm in good hands. I'm in good hands. I'm in great hands. Yes. See, oftentimes people really don't, they say they have faith in God, but when the going gets tough, the tough stops going. <laughs> See, that's me too. I, I, it, it, there are days where I'll be the pastor and I don't even want to come. <laughs> it's the, I'm just telling you the truth. But I know one thing, said God, <laughs> I'm in good hands. You know, it's like my wife said, what do you mean you're going to go? You're the pastor. You have to go. Oh, oh Okay. I wish somebody else would do it. No, I'm in good hands. That's your tribe. That's who God gave you. That's who's going to change the nation. That's who's going to change their government. That's who's going to change their community. That's who's going to change the statistics of this world. What tribe? Who's holding on to you? See, oftentimes we're like, Lord, I, I want to be used by you, but we don't give our life into his hands. It's amazing here that the Bible says that Moses was to be like God to Aaron. Has anybody ever read that? Be like, oh, I'm, I'm nobody's God, but God said, Moses, you're going to be like God to Aaron. I'm like, wow. 
He's my older brother too. Right? And yet God says, no, I'm going to tell you what to say and you're going to explain to him and he's going to speak for you, but you're going to be like God to him. You know that there are some people in your life, your sphere of influence, you're like God to them because you're the only God that they really know. <laughs> because Aaron never had an experience of the burning bush. Because Aaron never had the experience of the rod uh, turning into a serpent until later on. And Aaron never had uh, the experience that God uh, spoke to him in a bush that didn't consume. And God, he never had that experience that God, Aaron said, hey, Aaron, God never said, Aaron, take off your shoes because where you're standing is on holy ground. He never had that experience. Sometimes we expect people to have experience with God and that we ourselves don't have. And you cannot bring people to a place you've never been. And that's why you have to put your whole life into God's hand. Everybody wants to have a good relationship. Everybody wants to have a good marriage. But you have to be able to put your life and your marriage and your talent and your skills and in your intellect into God's hand. And when you're in God's hand, you're in good hands. You're in good hands. Whose hands are you in? Are you in your own hand? Are you making your own choices? Are you doing it your way? I got this. See, what people don't realize about God is God can't lie. And because God can't lie, if you just live by his precept and his command, he has to bless you. That's what people don't understand. It's, it's like automatic. It's like, Lord, I'm in your hand. I know that your character is true. I don't know why things haven't happened the way it is, but I know one thing. I'm in good hands. There's reasons for everything. There's even reason why things go the way they go for your life. It'd be easy. I'd just throw down my stick, turn, a couple, turn the water into blood, and the Pharaoh let me go. No, it's going to be a fight. Why, Lord? I'm going to harden his heart. Why'd you got to do that for? I didn't understand that either. I'm like, why you got to do that for? Can you just soften his heart? Can a brother get saved? Isn't, there, isn't it funny how their God has always put people in our life that causes us to see greater miracles in him? And we often say, God, why, why couldn't you make it easy? Because why? God sometimes wants to show us his power. And God sometimes wants to show us his greatness. God sometimes wants to build our faith by seeing that he's not a God that sits on a pedestal and we give fruit to it. But he's a living God. He's a true God. I'm going to leave you a couple things. I'm going to be done. First of all, I'm going to ask you this question. Is whose hand are you in? Who is it? And, and the things that you have in your life, that rod that has supported you. You know, there, I remember um, <clears throat> coming up into church and my pastor used to say, you know what? You need to pray through at the altar. Or some people would say like this, you, you need to praise your way out. You know, and that's their thing. That, that's how they connect with God. There's some people that go on a long fast. There's some people that shut their uh, prayer closet. Whatever it may be, is it a mark upon your staff that has kept you from falling away? Who life, who's, whose hand is holding onto your life? Are there areas in our life that we're really not in good hands? 
Seriously? When you're not in a good hand, you get dropped. Mephibosheth was the son of Jonathan, and Jonathan was King Saul's son. He was royalty. And through the war and through the things, his, his maid that was holding Mephibosheth dropped him, and Mephibosheth became lame all the days of his life. He was broken because somebody dropped him. Brother and sister, I see, I travel enough to know that there are a lot of people that are not in good hands. And because they're not in the good hands of God, they get dropped and their life is broken. And that there are so many things that I see the brokenness of people. I was in the state prison in California preaching to these men. Some of them are Vietnamese. They were there since they were 18 years old. I said, how old are you, man? 40? Like, you've been here since you were 18? I said, yeah. And I said, Why? He said, because now they're believers. I said, because I didn't have a mentor. My dad didn't care who I, I was hanging out with. I, and so I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I joined gangs because I thought I was in good hands. And one mistake ended their four, 25 plus years of their life is done. You see, I've seen that. And I always tell people, I say, why don't you put your hand, your life in good hands? Why don't you give your life wholeheartedly in every area of your life. Why don't you give your kids? Why don't you join a church? Why don't you join a kid? Well, I'll, I'll be ready. No, you always think you're ready, but you'll never know when you will be dropped. You're in good hands when you give life. You know that it's interesting that God calls that staff his tribe. Did you know that the tribe are the people that will hold you up when you're going through? I believe this church, even though we're young, we're few in number in the way most people would see, but you're in good hands. You are in good hands because God's presence is here, and that's always good. You know that when... Can I... You want to know a little more revelation? When Moses stuck his hand into his bosom, it became leprous. Okay? And leprosy always represents sin. In the Bible, it's symbolic of sin. Now look at this. I want you to follow this revelation. When Jesus was on the earth, his disciples was criticized because they ate before they washed their hands. Remember? And Jesus says that, he says that what goes into a man is not what really defiles him. But he said that what comes out of his heart, his bosom, defiles him. Now look, look, look at this revelation. When Moses did that, it was indicating Jesus had to die because he said that for we have all sinned and fallen short. It is our sin nature in our inside of us is what causes us to have sin in our life. That causes us leprosy. So when Jesus died, he died for that inner man. He died for that inner man. That's why he said, stick it back in. Now he pulls it back out. He goes, oh, because if I'm clean from the inside, my flesh should be clean too. And see, it's the things that inside that kills us. 
It is, the, it is the thought of the man. Murder of a person doesn't start from their flesh. It starts from the inside of their head. The choices we make uh, and the sins that we make or the commitment of certain things, it is always in us first before it comes through us in the flesh. God is trying to get us in that place. The reason why he said that water would turn into blood, it represents that when Jesus was on the cross, his side was pierced. And the Bible says that where blood and water flowed is a representation of water baptism and the shedding of blood for the redemption of sin. Oh, man. It represents that when John the Baptist went and he says, I'm going to baptize you in the River Jordan. It was a baptizing back into repentance, back into God. But when Jesus died, he died with the baptism, the shedding of blood. And so not only are we supposed to be baptized in the water, back into obedience, into a repentance, but Jesus himself, we have to be baptized in the blood of Jesus. Oh, That's why he says, yeah, I know. When he pulls it out of the river, he says, now let this water baptism, but two, the shedding of blood will be redemption of sin. Those three things of the gospel right there. Will you give me your life? What is in your hand?